0: Quick crying and move on already. It's 2021. I'm a jerk or a horse racing fan. You lost your $2 win pit. Let's roll. So everybody and their brother had this idea to make a podcast during the the pandemic of 2020 and i started my first podcast in 2019 and unfortunately that didn't really work out but i started thinking as i was watching twitter and horse racing what i could do differently that the world doesn't really have and everybody in a horse racing podcast or tv show or live stream they're nice to one another yeah, you know, they're all kissing butt trying to get into the horse racing job and I can appreciate that. Everybody's got their hustle. But what we lack a lot of times is getting the truth, getting the bottom line fact of situations. Even in lieu of fact, I'll accept opinion if it's not fabricated and false just because we're on Twitter and we're supposed to be nice to one another and oh, that's such a good opinion you had on your thirty six dollar pick three. I really want to follow that through and make money with you. So with that being said, I'm the horse racing jerk. You're going to get my opinion. You're going to get facts. Some weeks I'm going to have guests on. Some weeks I'm just going to ramble on. With this being the first week, I'm just going to ramble on. I've got some thoughts. I've got some opinions. And we'll see if this sticks. We'll see what the feedback is out there in Twitter land and the horse racing world. And hopefully it's something that we can buy into. I can be found at horseracingjerk.com. You can find me on Twitter at horse racing jerk and also have a YouTube channel that we're going to be rolling out the horse racing jerk. What we're planning on doing is doing a couple of live stream events and just having a, you know, 30 minute sometimes show where we talk about things in horse racing that don't make sense. If we think we can cover it all in 30 minutes, that might be a special feat. So we'll have various sections of the show where we talk about some horse racing news or some drama or other crap that nobody else really wants to talk about, right? So we're going to start off with this past weekend. Naira had an early pick five carryover on Saturday. You know, it paid decent considering what it was. Uh, A lot of group tickets I saw busted out early. You know, that second, I think it was the second race had a big three, number three come in at like $14 threw off a lot of people but that's not really what gets me the most about what's going on in New York I'm going to say I've been very vocal about it I don't understand how Trevor McCarthy and Katie Davis McCarthy have to be coupled together in the state of New York just because they got married when you have brothers and fathers and sons riding together in the same circuit why do they draw the line with a married couple as being the fact of the matter of we're going to couple this entry because they have financial reasons to gain so do family members so do brothers and parents and this is crap this is ridiculous part of me feels like they're almost being punished because they didn't ask permission beforehand they didn't say hey Naira we're gonna do this or hey gaming commission we're gonna do this it seems like it was a, a shady boardroom decision to be made and nobody's talking about it and it bothers me because not because of the uh, of the coupled entries but you know we're seeing more and more female jockeys come up right we've got you know Katie Davis had took her book to New York with Trevor you've got the ladies down south Chantelle and Sophie and I know I'm gonna miss somebody I'm sorry you know and then out west you got Jessica coming up it's just it's ridiculous this double standard they're going to have for the rules. If it, you're going to have romance at a track, and you know, a, a track is just like a anywhere else. You're going to have a boy meets girl, girl falls in love, boy falls in love. Next thing you know, they get married. That's just what happens, okay? They're going to date. There's going to be romance. But to punish either one of them, you know, there, there's been some entries that, there's been some entries where Trevor's been on, you know, he's a legit five to two horse, and, uh, Katie's on a forty-to-one shot. Who's also five-to-two. It's like, come on. Then it just, it, it, I, I hate it. I, I hate that we're talking about it. But that is what it is. You know, I I I, I want to say, the whole, the the situation with the grape soda horse or respect all. That was a, a a, a situation that overshadowed everything in new york and rightfully so that whole situation was very ugly very very ugly and i commend new york uh, uh you know ken rudolph was adamant in getting information out there and i think he took the high road in this situation uh, he he voiced his opinion and rightfully so it, it, you know he was being attacked in this situation and uh i'm not going to talk about the trainer's name there's no need to You know Ken was a a, was a target in this situation and and his interactions on social media I thought he really took the high road here and conducted himself in a professional way when he could have just this easily stooped down to a low level so I do want to give a you know a, a shout out to Ken for the way he handled that situation and for Naira for the way they handled it now get back and focus here let's look at the coupled entry situation we have with the married jockeys and hopefully come to some kind of resolution. All right, that's all I've got to say about Naira for the situation. But you know, let's go to the other coast. Let's go to the to the west coast here briefly. And uh, on Friday, January 15th, Golden Gate Park had a golden pick six mandatory payout. It was only twenty six thousand dollar carryover, but it was a mandatory payout. This might have been the quietest mandatory payout I've seen. There is no conversation about it among groups that I follow. Like nobody knew there was a mandatory payout, and I'm not quite sure how that happens. A lot of people scrape tickets together at the last minute once they realize there is mandatory, but it didn't get the focus that it really needed. And I'm surprised because normally, you know, Matt Ditterman out there out west does a great job on social media, making sure everybody's up to speed with what's going on, where they're at with their mandatories and carryovers. And for some reason, it just seemed like it got lost in the shuffle. I don't know if maybe i was too focused on the east coast but the people i've talked to they also missed out on this information so you know uh, very disappointing from the stronics on on how they uh presented the information at golden gate for the mandatory last weekend but it is what it is you'll probably catch me saying that often that, that's kind of one of my little catchphrases my little crutches it is what it is it's it's a It's something to fall back on when I don't know how to close a sentence, and I'm hoping the more episodes I do, the better I'll get at that. So I apologize now, but you're going to hear it. So this is my segue here, and I just talked about the Stronach. Let's talk about Express Bet. On Saturday, you know, Saturday's a great day. Great betting day on Saturday. Lots of good races. California was Calbreds. Florida had theirs. There was a Pegasus qualifier on Extreme Bets, or... Oh, I'm sorry, ExpressBets, they might as well be extreme because they either work or they don't. It's one extreme or the other. I I use ExpressBets almost primarily, and uh, I was without my ADW for most of the day. There was very minimal communication on social media from ExpressBets about how it happened. About 20 minutes after their page went down, the only thing on the social media page was about saying Anita on their Twitter, saying, hell, post time's in two hours, or whatever it was. That is crazy. You know, that's one of the larger handling ADWs out there. They're growing all the time. And now this is what we get. So Saturday afternoon, we finally get it back. You know, I think it was like, I don't know, four o'clock Central Time. At that point, I'll be quite honest, I had moved some money around, I played elsewhere. And I kind of just lost my taste for the day. So... They ended up canceling the, the Pegasus qualifying tournament because of their own issues. Well, well, kudos to them. I'm sure there's a lot of money out there tied in already, bought in. But now people are saying, oh, I'm going to leave ExpressBets. Saturday night I heard it. Sunday I heard it. You know, lots of people are upset about it. And, and rightfully so, they should be. Well, today, today's Monday, we get emails from Express Bet saying that they noticed they had issues on Saturday and have experienced some technical issues. We're going to give you a 10% deposit bonus. Oh, so your your, your platform screwed up again. And what you're going to do is give me 10% on um, putting more money into your screwed up platform. That's what horse racers, horse racing people have come to expect. That's what we say. Oh, great. Thank you. Let me bend over and take that one. Why do we sit there and accept that as an answer for an ADW being down all day? Somebody's going to get that email. They're going to say, great. They're going to deposit $100. bucks. they are going to get their $10, and they're going to be happy as a pig in crap. If you do any real handle, let's be honest. You're a six-figure guy a year, and the 10% deposit bonus is going to make up for you Losing access to most of your bankroll on a Saturday afternoon, you you're, you're not happy with that. That this this PR stunt that their Express Bets was pulling here is strictly to appease the small player at home, the 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 two dollar better, the five dollar better. You know it is what it is. I just hope that the people that said they're leaving Express Bets are going to leave. I have looked into it. There's a good chance I'm going to be doing the same thing because. I I demand more when I'm giving my money to somebody in that situation there's some trust and I want a better response I want social media to be out there accepting it saying hey we screwed up we're going to do this this and this we're sorry we're working on it thank you okay I've managed to beat that old retired horse I'm sorry for the pun there probably inappropriate on a horse racing show but I'm not going to be talking about whips today, so I think we can talk about beating horses. All right, I'll move on to the next segment. Usually, you know, horse racing Twitter is a world of its own, right, everybody? If you're on horse racing Twitter, you've seen the best and the worst of everybody else. But I'm going to start this week off with something that just uh, uh, confused me a lot. and I don't know if uh, Jason Beam's out there. what's going on you know he he stopped the beamy awards they'd run their course and uh all of a sudden I'm on my twitter timeline last week and Thomas Kearney nice guy funny I you know he follows me I follow him he starts doing the horse racing comedy awards and I get what he was doing a great spoof and uh uh i think with the proper hype or whatever it would have grown a lot a lot of legs and uh not quite sure what the intent was i don't know if uh may he talk to jason about take you know doing a spin-off from or what but it it just caught me off guard when i saw some posts and uh you know mentioning people and mentioning jokes and you know doing those kind of funny things there wasn't a single comment about them and and it kind of felt very odd Um, I mean don't get me wrong I know Thomas is a funny man and I get what he was trying to do it just maybe I think the satire might have been lost in the media of Twitter just because there is no uh uh, follow-up to a tweet you kind of put your thought out there and that's the end of it you know until the next one comes through and then you're trying to either backpedal or you just go take your stand you say this is what I'm doing so, you know, Thomas Kearney, if you, if you do hear this, you know, I really give him a follow, you know, at Thomas E. Kearney, you know, he's a funny guy and uh, no disrespect at all. I just, uh, I'm not sure how it appealed to other people or how other people took it. But if I'm going to be the jerk, I'm going to put the information out there and let others figure out what they want on their own. All right. So the, the, the next section is a, a, an interesting one. If you're on horse racing Twitter. Uh, I hate to break the news to everybody, but Bar Shoe Life and Swift Hitter have broken up again. I believe uh, this is the 14th breakup in 2021. I'm hoping that they are able to reconcile the differences. Maybe over a nice turf course at like, I don't know, Oak- oh uh, it can't be Oaklawn, darn, maybe, maybe Laurel. Maybe Laurel will have something for them. They can. Sit down and break open a $5,000 claiming race on turf at Laurel next year and be happy once again. Oh, I guess I should tell you part of the show uh, will have some stupid humor in it. A bit of a parody of what we are and what horse racing is because we are silly among ourselves and I like it, but we're silly. All right, so. The last Twitter topic I'm going to touch on today is uh, an interesting one. You know, there's not a lot of women in Twitter horse racing. There just isn't. Uh, You can probably count a handful of them. Most of them are on TV or getting there. And then you've got some that stay in the shadows and tournament players or gamblers or, you know, just riders or. Picture takers and there's all there's women around. They're just not very vocal in the sport. So it 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 kind of pains me when I talk to a female friend of mine who says I'm going to delete my Twitter. Well, why? Oh, well, so and so and so and so are ganging up on me and spreading some vicious rumors because I'm friends with somebody. Are you serious? That's what we are. We're you know we're, we're so petty that a man and a woman are going to. Pick on another woman in horsey Twitter. And horsey Twitter's a pretty good name for it, but, you know, what is there, 3,000 people on horsey Twitter that actually matter? Oh, no, I'm I'm way wrong. Um, Ten people in horsey Twitter that matter, but we're going to pick on each other and break each other down to the point of, why? Because one woman dated one guy, and one guy dated another woman, and now we got problems? This, This shit's worse than high school. This is really where we're at? Come on. You know, just to accept everybody for what it is. You know, it's horse racing Twitter. You don't like somebody, delete them, block them, spam them. But we're a giant, giant inbred circle of people in this industry. No matter what track you go to, no matter what circuit you're on, you're going to find a horse player who knows a jockey, who knows a trainer, who dated somebody's cousin. Everybody in this, you know i traveled down to texas for a tournament i ran into three people i saw at a tournament in chicago one of them i saw in vegas and, and it's just it's weird right because no matter where you travel you're going to see the same group of people for the most part you know if you play tournaments you're going to see the same 50 60 people that travel around the country to these cash tournaments you're going to see the same 100 people online in these tournaments and we can't have a simple camaraderie among each other to you know uh, um get along it's ridiculous if you look at daily fantasy sports, you look at what the d f s or Draftkings has done. they've created a community of people who you know if if I win a million dollars playing football and you lose a million dollars playing football, but only win you know a fifty thousand. We're on the same stage at the same party having a great time together. you know why because we got there, not in horse racing it's it, it's crazy. So I'm going to take this as my opportunity to get out of the Twitter sphere world and transition to a segment called, uh, friends of the track. Now this is a tough one. And, uh, you know, we just talked about how in daily fantasy sports, people are happy for one another. And over the last two weeks, I've been able to watch a couple of people I know hit some nice tickets. In the meantime, I have not done well. I have, uh. Not wagered a whole lot, but I haven't been able to string together a pick five this year. Big deal, right? Three weeks. But, you know, if I zig, they zag, and they hit, and I miss completely. So at what point do you start, you know, you're with a friend and you're happy, right? Yes, they won. Good job, buddy. Then you look at your ticket, well, why didn't I win? Where did I screw up? And i've I've witnessed it with my own eyes this last couple of weeks, and what is the breaking point of somebody what- what is that moment when you say you're a horrible friend but a horse player at heart because you're mad your buddy won money? Are you allowed to be mad at a friend who wins money on a ticket that might is bigger than yours maybe uh Deeper than yours, maybe just better than yours. You know, maybe you you two talked about the number five horse and he loved it, you hated it, you'd left it off your ticket completely. You know, that's what makes horse racing so interesting. But where's that fine line? Where are you allowed to say, you know what? Forget you, buddy. I'm not happy for you. You're going to smile, but you're not happy for him. So it got me thinking about. Friendships, they get destroyed over gambling, right? Historically, friendships among men, and I can't comment about women, so hopefully somebody can correct this, but friendships among men, a lot of times they have problems with uh, money or women. Lots of women. And then money again, but Pride. Pride is a horrible thing for a man to have in gambling. Not, not because it's a, a, a bad thing, like, hey, you're too, pride. you're too proud, don't be an idiot, no. It's hard to sit there and have pride in what you do as a hobby and feel good about yourself if your friends are better than you. And the question that I have is, what do you do in that situation? you find new friends? Do you get better at your own craft? Or do you just bite your tongue and hope for the best? I mean, law of averages say that you're going to win your ticket eventually, and they won't. But can you handle it and wait that long? I know what I did is I slowed down my betting. I went back to the basics. I tried to find myself again and figure th- figure out what I was making mistakes doing And it long-term helped me out. But I had to take away that action mentality in my game and settle for watching races and paper betting. But that was just me. All right, so that was my little ramble about friends of the track and when you're allowed to be mad at somebody for winning. Because it's going to happen. But, so you know, usually I defend jockeys. On horses, you know, a hundred twenty pound man, woman making a giant animal go left and right—it's gonna happen. The horse is gonna do what he's gonna wanna do, right? And I believe most of the time, a a, a bad jockey will give a good horse less chance to win than a great jockey will give a good a horse a chance to win. If that makes sense, I think a I think a bad jockey will find trouble. Better than a great jockey, you'll be able to navigate around trouble. Just a thought that I have. So, with that being said, Kendrick Carmouche, New York, wintered me at the Aqueduct. I like Kendrick. He's a big fan of, I'm a big fan of his, I should say. You know, uh, at six furlongs on a speed horse, uh, right now uh, in New York, I want Kendrick. Or I want uh, Luis Rodriguez Castro, you know, they're they're probably the two right now in New York I want on a speed horse, if I can help it. If I have a horse that has one speed, he's going to go out the gate and that's all he's got. Those are the two I want. But I'm going to call call what I see, you know, over this weekend, there's a couple of mounts, I think it was a Saturday where, you know, Kendrick just seemed like he couldn't turn his horse, I don't know what was going on, He, he... be in the two path and a turn and then come out in the five path and just wasn't in a good spot could have also been a the class level of horses we saw this week in aqueduct but it just seemed odd to me so hopefully kendrick figures out what's going on and gets back to his winning ways because i'm a big fan of kendrick in new york now i want to go out west and talk about my favorite off the pace clothes jockey you know i just talked about my speed jockey who do I like off the pace the most in horse racing? I like Joel Rosario. I think he's probably the best off the pace jockey in the game. Turf, dirt, it doesn't matter. If, he's on the, if I have a closer, that's who I want. But after watching a couple of weeks in California, I'm not sure why Joel Rosario's in California. I don't understand. I've seen him uh, uh, choke a horse in the first turn to get back position. Despite the fact that there's no whip in California, the whip rules are just very weird. You know, he's 10 lengths back and trying to close and just can't get there. Not going to get there. So I'm not sure if Joel is going to change his tactics on some of these horses or his approach to some of these horses or if he's just going to have a meet in California where he's going to look at the future. I wonder if we don't see Joel in, uh, in Gulfstream or, you know, somewhere else over the winter next year all right so my last little tidbit on jockeys is about apprentices you know uh uh Jessica Pfeiffer out out west she's doing a pretty good job you know she she's pretty good on speed horses and she got a turf win today which I thought was great for her I see a lot of people complaining about apprentice jockeys oh this jockey's no good this jockey's no good let's remember they're apprentices, so they're going to make mistakes. They're going to find trouble, and you know, after the races, I guarantee you, they're in the, in the they're they're watching the replay, they're, they're they're studying the film, they're seeing what they did wrong because they, this is their passion. This is what they want to do. This is where they want to be in the future. It, it's hard for me to to bash a an apprentice jockey for a bad ride when they may or may not know, or they are uncertain or unsure of what to do in a situation, and. You know, as great as the jockeys we see, and we've all seen, Irad and Jose Ortiz make a mistake, or Paco make a mistake. It's gonna happen to everybody. But the apprentices are probably a little bit more likely to have bad rides or find trouble. And we need to remember that they are apprentices. All right. So this coming week, we got Oakland Park starting up. Everybody's excited about Oakland Park. You know, uh, I just saw an article that Frank's right Has uh, a couple of horses under Jerry Hollendorfer for Oakland Park. I thought that was an interesting turn of events, considering Jerry's not able to train out west at uh, one of those properties. But just one of those situations you read about, like only in horse racing is something that petty come through is is a big issue or something that's just watcher going forward. You know, I know a lot of people like Oakland Park, and I I wonder a lot of it, to be quite honest, hype you know oakland park starts up it's a very tough track but when it starts up the derby trail starts let's be honest it's a you know from february until may it's a bang bang period where you've got oakland park and then you're in the height of derby season and you're there and you know don't get me wrong i'm not saying i don't like oakland park it was one of my favorite tracks last year and probably one of my most profitable tracks but it's one of those things where, you know, the people buy into it because right now, what do you have? You've got Santa Anita, Gulfstream Park, Fairgrounds, and then you get Oakland Park. You know, so I just, I'm curious what people are actually thinking. I know I'm excited for Friday. I'm excited for Oakland to start racing. And it uh, tells us that the spring is, what, a month and a half, two months away. All right. So my last tidbit for this show. For the first show we're gonna have is uh, starting this week. If you're on, if you're on Twitter, the Daily Gallup, you, know, you know they're an online publication. bunch of great guys over there. Uh, I like them all. That uh, they're doing their free tournament on Twitter. Uh, you know, most of the Twitter handicappers and people go head to head for an ROI. You uh, know, you need to check it out. It's a great, great situation to watch. Uh, even if you're not taking part in it. There's so much crap talking. Truly, the negative ROIs in that tournament should tell everybody how hard this game is and why you cannot play 10, 11 races on a single card. These are top-notch people, you know, some of them being paid for picks and some of them are just professionals and semi-professionals and hobbyists. But I've watched people... Go an entire card and lose i well respected sharp people just have a bad day and walk away with a 10 race card having no profit on the day so it, it happens but at the end of the day you want to see how you lose gracefully uh, come watch that tournament and you will see a lot of sharp people lose gracefully well that's going to do it for me on the first episode here january 18th, 2021 thank you for listening Hopefully this is taken well. Hopefully this is received well. And uh, if you have anything you want to talk about or talk about on the air, hashtag horse racing jerk. I'll look for it. I'll get it out there and I'll share it with everybody on the episode. Other than that, thehorseracingjerk.com. I'm the horse racing jerk. You're a $2 win place better. See you at the window. <laughs>